0: They were high school sweethearts that got married and had a kid. It's the Brunix. In the swamp of DC, they tweet all day, but
1: that's okay, they're the Brunix. You can't deny It's the Hello ladies and gentlemen Welcome back to our Low Effort Low Quality
0: Podcast This is Liz Brunig. this is my husband Matt Hi everyone
1: This is our ill-advised Q&A episode
0: The Q&A episode, you know I thought Q&A episodes were cop-outs But apparently the people, they love them and they insist that you do them. Yeah. So, well, you know, I
1: let people be a little involved. Uh, uh, before we get to the Q&As, uh, don't worry, we'll get there. Uh, Matt is back on his bullshit. Beefing, I'm not on any bullshit, beefing, I wouldn't say. Beefing online about algorithms?
0: No, I'm just having civil discussion on the, on the internet.
1: Why don't you give us a rundown of this of this situation that you're in? Um, How did it all begin?
0: Well, I put out a tweet on Friday, I guess. Um, where I said, oh, you know, it would be nice if we're going to use, you know, productivity metrics to fire people, um, that it should go both ways. That it's not just that you can say, hey, if you miss the metric, you're automatically fired, but also that if you hit the metric, you're saved no matter what, right? So it eliminates the (laughs) discretion. The worst case scenario is one where you have a, a metric that can be used to automatically fire you. And then on top of that, they can also come up with discretionary bullshit like, oh, you have a bad attitude or whatever. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But like, you know, the sweet spot is if you're going to use a metric, let it be, you know, if you hit it, you hit it and, and you're good to go. Like right? a
1: universal objective criteria.
0: Objective criteria that's applied in both directions. Um, both to save and to terminate. Okay. Um, and
1: and people interpreted this as you advocating for like a firebot, like a little Roomba that just zooms around your office and is like, you're fired.
0: Well, it's a little unclear. I, I think basically, you know, people don't like the word algorithm. And I mean, this is where a lot of the sort of like efforts to, you know, uh, mitigate the debate went as people were like oh you guys need to understand like you guys when you guys think algorithm you're thinking of like this black box machine learning neural because this is sort of like what tech has sort of fucked your brain up with but like
1: yeah yeah when you hear about algorithms it's like the google algorithm the facebook algorithm
0: well the google algorithm the the uh their searching tools are not you know (laughs) They're defined set of rules. But anyways, yeah. So, uh, yeah, and and whereas I'm using it in the uh, correct uh, sense as meaning, oh, a, a set of rules that are applied, such as you know you can only have five absences and if you Mm -hmm. get over the six absence then you know the algorithm will boot you or you know now you're subject to discipline this just sounds like a just um, cause clause it is a just well this is the thing the vast majority of what unions do in their contracts is establish objective work rules about when you can be disciplined when you can't be disciplined hours worked um which we might call just cause. Yeah. Um, And these are algorithmic rules uh, in the sense that they, in most cases, they create an objective set of rules that you input information like, how often are you present? How often do you, you know, know, and, and the algorithm spits out an answer such as subject to discipline, not subject to discipline. That's sort of the overwhelming majority of what unions do in non-economic like work conditions bargaining. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They they you have the economic side of the bargaining as they'll call it, which is basically determining compensation level and the structure of compensation, mm-hmm. you know, how much benefits, how much wages, what's the difference between the lowest level worker and the highest level worker, or, you know, the wage differential and so on, right? The sort of compensation level and compensation structure. And then, then you have the non-economic stuff. Which is like when you can be hired, when you can be fired, when you get promoted. What happens if there's a reduction of for- force because a layoff is needed because the company is flagging? Who do you, who gets laid off and who gets to stay on? And, you know, sort of the sort of web of rules that govern that. Um, when you don't have those rules, the rule is whatever the boss says. Right. That's sort of the alternative. Um, and the boss could be anything. I mean, in our system, the boss is, you know, sort of the, the capitalist henchman, if you will. But in another system, you could imagine the, the boss being a council of workers or whatever. But in both cases, right, the question is, sh- should um, that stuff be done on a discretionary basis where they would get to kind of pick and choose their favorites? Or should there be a set of rules that decide, these right, kinds right. of things and
1: of course the unions are going to say there should just be
0: rules rules yes this um, just decreases the power of the manager right but over time i figured out people just if you <laughs> if you describe these rules as algorithms which they are it just kills them they just cannot handle it because they simultaneously do believe that the rules are good i mean in most cases there are some who will say no but the vast majority of them are like yes rules are good limiting managerial discretion is good but then you're like, are algorithms good? And they go, no. And they're well, well, the dissonance. So the brain cannot contain these two thoughts. Well, the and they just sort of short circuit. And they just, you know, and it's like hysterical.
1: So why do you have to use the word algorithm
0: then? Well, I that's just what it was. That was the word that was being bandied about when I put out my initial tweet. Um, you know, I had no idea that this was going to, tr- you know, trigger some. I didn't realize like it had gotten to this level. Yeah. Um, uh, or that the word had any negative connotations whatsoever. I mean, you know, I guess I, I don't think about it as having negative connotations because I'm, you know, I've been seeing the word for a very long time. Um, yeah, so
1: it's crazy. I lug on Saturday, everybody's like, Matt's a fascist again. I'm like, what do you do now? Well, and
0: you, you know, it's the usual sort of thing where you have people who like they're already like looking for something, you know, this sort of disgruntled, always trying to look to get mad at you kind you know. You, oh you, yeah, you, I know the type. You see the similar characters in there and then you see people who aren't that way who are like, "No, I see what Matt's saying and it's like actually correct and good." And so, you know, it's kind of it's kind of that thing as well. Um but it's funny. I, <laughs> It's funny. I should say, you know, I mean, what people don't realize, I don't know, in my short stint, uh, I guess, what, five some odd years doing union, uh, you know, close up union uh, work um, is, you know, workers really like to know where they are. They want to know, oh, I, I know how many absences I can have. I know like that's something they're really yeah. big on. Like objective metrics are really good. I think there's this tendency, I mean, there's a lot of things going on here. one is just the word. I think that's the biggest one. Yeah, but then there's also these people you see them come up in the in the tweets that are like, no, the discretion is good because that allows the boss to make, Uh, very case-specific gestures. They look into your extenuating circumstances and so on, right? Which is like a a, a flavor of a broader theory that that some people on the left share that says that objective metrics aren't good, Mm -hmm. that objective decision-making processes aren't good, that if you mush up and vague up and discretion up the decision-making process, that's going to be fair. Because they imagine in their mind that that discretion is going to be used to favor the things they want to use. Yeah. That, oh, well, the metric might screen out this or that person uh, who I like, who, you know, I feel likes on my team uh, or who I think, you know, deserves things. But if we have the mush, then there's some hope that the mush will push them through. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I don't want to get too generalizing here, but I think uh, uh, perhaps people who believe this disproportionately are those who uh, are able to navigate mushy Mm. uh, situations, maybe have this Mm. sort of social cultural profile uh, to take advantage of those things. Um, And so their experience with them is, Oh no, it's good. You know, when, when the cop can let you off, that's a good thing. Or, you know, when you, when you can kind of knock it out of the park with your interview, that's a good thing. (laughs) Um, These
1: soft skill type
0: things. And it's not for anyone who's a social, cultural, or demographic outsider for the most part. Um... So they think that those outsiders will do better because those outsiders, on account of being oppressed, are not going to be able to hit the objective metric, and so the mushiness is going to allow them to skate through without hitting it, when in reality, the uh, mushiness is just another process through which uh, social, cultural, and demographic insiders and people who have money and stuff like that can take advantage of it. In the workplace, it gives the boss power, of course, to say, hey, you know, I have discretionary authority, so... I need you not only to do your work, but I need you to uh, suck up to me. I need yeah, you yeah. to, you know, they can push it further. So I think there's a little bit of that going on as well. And you see this when it comes to like test scores oh, yeah. and stuff like that. They're, 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 they're real keen on, no, no, if you keep it vague, we can, we can get our people through. And it's like, I don't, I don't know what to tell you. Like, that's just not the case. And also, I mean, I don't know. Like one of the great, I remember growing up, you know, a working class kid. And I think one of the great appeals of sports to working class people is here's a thing that you can just go out and you can do. And if you're better than the other person in a, in a very objective way, there's no interview or anything like that. If yeah, you just like, all on the field. I'll play them, then you got it. And yeah, okay, that person has better training. That person has better coaching. That per- You know, that person might have all sorts of better endowments. But if it's objective, I at least can go out and do it and i don't have to convince someone through soft interactions and so on to to you know uh, advance me um but anyways we've gone on too too long in this so just that's sort of the upshot of it and you know it's re- it's ridiculous i think it's fine i mean it's kind of petered out today and for yeah. the most part people were just like stop using that word and i'm like no
1: Meanwhile, uh, this weekend I uh, spoke to a conference of about two thousand Christian pastors. Okay. And leaders gathered in Nashville. I skyped in. I was involved in a debate over socialism, the rise of democratic socialism. Oh, I didn't know it was a debate. Yeah, well, so I gave a talk, and then uh, two other people gave talks, and then we we had a you know an argument about it. Basically, the, the was other, a two on one. Well, like then then the presenter was also very much. Opposed to socialism. So three on one. Yeah.
0: That's good. I'll take that.
1: Take those odds. Absolutely. It came down to like the presenter said, you know, the host was like, I have friends in Canada and one of them got an MRI the other day and he's going to have to wait two weeks for his results. Oh, lordy. And like, man, you don't want to wait two weeks for your results. And I was like, well, you know, one of the reasons that wait times are so short for a lot of people in the U.S. is because we kick a lot of people out of line. Some people are waiting forever. 10%.
0: So,
1: you know, you take all those people out of line altogether, then yeah.
0: Also, mm-hmm. the MRI costs you $10,000. <laughs> yeah. so, so a lot of
1: people forego tests they need. Maybe we chill
0: out, dude. How impatient are you? Good Lord. You can't wait two weeks for a, for a little scan? I mean, good God. I
1: know it's, it's
0: nerve-wracking,
1: but I mean, I've also had long wait times with neurological treatment in the United States just because it requires specialists. Sure. So I don't know. Basically, that was the caliber of the debate, but I did get a lot of people afterwards saying they enjoyed it. You know, people who are at the conference and found it interesting and enlightening and like, you know, I'm, I'm glad. I mean, I don't have a, uh, you, you know, you and I share this, but I don't have hang ups about talking to people who are not like me,
0: mm-hmm. you know, or
1: talking to wrong people. That's why I do right wing stuff all the time. <laughs> they mm-hmm. invite me to debate socialism at Liberty con. Uh, I did that. They invited me to debate socialism at the Acton Institute. That was uh, it's a very far right, catholic libertarian institute i did that went on ingram to debate with her about socialism and i'm like generally cool doing that because i'm like you know you're not going to win the room but maybe someone who's listening or watching give them an opportunity to think about something they haven't thought about before
0: uh you know i mean you got to reach new audiences and you know they're often more interesting audiences than you know (laughs) Y- you you know yeah, yeah so. your
1: native audience and then they, they you know the, the point of my talk was just clarifying what democratic socialism even is because i feel like that gets misconstrued a lot
0: right well and you're dealing with an audience that is in some ways orthogonal right it's yeah. organized along the basis of are you christian pastors not organized on among the basis of are you yeah. right w- ring or left-wing politically uh presumably you know in the U S unless, you know, I don't know if this was a, a specific denomination or something like that, but you know, it might be more conservative than not, but you know, in, in, in weird ways that are not obvious, uh, yeah, 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 you know, don't always extend to the things you think they extend to. Um, so.
1: But I felt like it was an overall good experience. I was happy to do it. They That's were, good. you know, they were polite. They weren't mean or anything.
0: Sure. Yeah. It wasn't
1: like abusive. It was just, you know, you can tell when you're, when you're not carrying the majority of the <laughs> of the room, you know. Oh, well, I appreciate the opportunity. All right. So on to questions. We open the Curious Cat uh, to readers, uh, listeners, and fans. I have not
0: seen these questions, yeah, so... Yeah, they're
1: completely new to Matt. It's my Curious Cat, which I'm killing after this because it's about 90% weird sex shit. Yeah,
0: yeah, you know, I think there's a norm to use Curious Cat, but it does seem like it would make more sense to use... Uh, less anonymous uh, processes uh <laughs> yeah, you know for, like for this purpose because we're kind of trying to let our own listeners the weird ask thing questions. about the, the
1: curious cat perverts is they're like um they identify with you and then they map whatever problems they're having with women in their lives onto me so like half the questions are like why are you a cheating whore mm-hmm. and then half the questions are like why are you a frigid baby like tepid bitch mm-hmm. it's like come on it can't be both mm-hmm. it's gotta be one or the other but uh, that's the content of the weird sex pestry. Uh, got a little, you know, anti Catholic shit. People pissed off about Catholicism, the general. Yeah. I mean, you know. You know the usual.
0: The, the, negatives won't get an, the negatives won't get an app from me for the most part.
1: No, your negativity will not get an app from me. Just a block and a God bless. Uh, so, that being said, let's dive into some of the questions. People wanted to know if you had seen the new Avengers film.
0: Me in particular. Yeah, I've not seen this one. I've not seen any of them. How yeah. many are there?
1: I have no idea. I haven't seen any of them either. What is an Avenger? Uh, it's like a it's a superhero team.
0: Uh huh. Okay, so like uh, l- like the one that uh, has the big orange guy, the Fantastic Four.
1: I uh, they might be a part of it. S-
0: well, but it's it's that concept. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's or the, the that, X Men. That, that's, that's
1: the idea. Yeah, the X Men. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is the end game for them.
0: Ooh, they die
1: uh well we don't know we don't know what happens i guess Ooh, spoiler alert the people I are really it, people so. are really upset about spoilers right now mm-hmm. and i and like people are so upset about it they're angrily tweeting spoilers at each other to punish each other
0: mm-hmm. okay
1: somebody's like iron woman gets put in a wood chipper i was like this is meaningless to me i have I no what idea what what's i'm reading. Going on. Nah. <laughs> anyway. Okay, first question: What do you think of the Luddite strain in some labor rights activism, such as opposing self-checkout or automation measures?
0: Oh, it's bad.
1: Yeah, we're gonna try to keep these lightning rounds to get as many questions oh. <laughs> as many questions. No, as we I mean, can so
0: look: the US, Look, you need to have good unemployment benefits. This is something that's very weird. You notice every time the left wants to put together a big agenda, yeah. the Green New Deal, Medicare for All, they always then have to be like. Uh, well, what are you going to do with the workers who are made redundant in this yeah. process? What are you going to do with the fossil fuel workers? What are you going to do with the, uh, the healthcare administrative workers, et cetera, et cetera, right? And it's like, and then they know, oh, okay, well, we'll have a little special unemployment package for them. And I always find this really weird. It's like, look, why, don't, why the normal unemployment benefits should be good enough that you're like, it's cool. If we, need to, if we have found a way to run the health insurance system with 2 million less administrative workers, it won't be nearly that much. But if we find a way to do that, A+. Plus. Mm-hmm. And, and the system should be set up so that they can come off healthcare administration, come out of that sector, still be good, get their money, get their unemployment benefits, not miss a beat, and work their way into a new sector. That should be how it goes. And but insofar as that's not the case, of course you're gonna have people who are like, No, we can't have anything change. I don't want any labor labor market turnover or anything like that because we just drop people into a, a fucking abyss. But it's it's an unemployment benefits problem, it's not an automation problem, it's not a technological problem. You need The welfare state—it always comes back to the welfare state.
1: Always comes, always. It's everything is welfare. welfare State. Everything is
0: welfare. (laughs) Everything is welfare, and every bad thing is welfare reform.
1: Like Pythagoras is like everything is triangles, and Matt's like, no, it's welfare. It's
0: all welfare. The welfare state is the key to all of it. It's the key to all of it.
1: Someone asks, I know Matt doesn't care about haters if their reason for hating is bad. Liz, how do you get over the haters? I just hope they're not violent (laughs) at this point. (laughs) I just block and move on, and I'm like, I hope they're not, sh- they're not violent. That's about it. How do you resolve conflicts in your family?
0: Oh, well, you know, they just fester. <laughs>
1: we really don't. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we'll be you like, you just kick the ball down the down the road a little bit. You just punt on it, yeah. Just you'd be like, see what happens. Not happy about this, but there's no use throwing a big fit over it. I would say about 98 percent of fights we just forget about.
0: Well, you have to distinguish between certain kinds of problems, right? Some problems are things like, oh, such and such has a bad habit, right? Mm -hmm. And you know, you grow up certain kinds of ways. I mean, one we (laughs) when I was growing up, Mm -hmm. I lived in a small uh, house, yeah. You know, was uh, not well off. Or actually, we moved around a lot. Sometimes I I was in duplexes and so on. And you know, we had a rule which was if you go to the bathroom in the night, you don't flush. I mean, if, you know, unless it's, you know, if you if you pee, I mean, uh, 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 you would (laughs) otherwise. But because that might wake someone up, you know, there's not enough distance and so on. And I have carried this habit uh, uh, into my adulthood, not even reflecting on it. And this is very upsetting. To liz and i try to fix it but it's like i just forget yeah, you know you i go have in the this habit first
1: thing in the morning and there's just a big kiddie pool of piss I,
0: I i'm not saying but i but it's like that one's hard to deal with because <laughs> it's, just, it's not it's, as if i pose it but i just it's just <laughs> it's there so it's so just gross. there so i don't want to put a post-it note i don't know uh i'm to gonna put a, i'm, I'm gonna laminate no. a print
1: out that says like please flush the potty uh, like, i do most of like the an time st- and i mean bathroom. i don't even get i don't
0: get up that much in the night to do that but um but yeah Yeah. so you got habit-based things that irritate someone i have some habits you have some habits and you know you hope they get better none of your habits Uh,
1: bother me that much that's the real story
0: and then you know you got things that you do just have to resolve and those i really don't know how you know (laughs) you just kind of carry on and hope some resolution occurs i guess uh so, but we don't have conflicts, I don't think, in like a personality, like, oh, y- y- no, y- it's, no. you know, it's sort of practical questions. Where are we going to live? Are we going to yeah. move? Stuff like that.
1: Next question. Do you enjoy living in D.C.?
0: No. To me, everywhere's the same, as long okay. as the internet is present. Yeah, the shit is
1: not as expensive um, elsewhere, fam. I'll tell you about that right now.
0: Yeah, but I mean, I'm comfortable.
1: What is Matt's take on China? Is it good now? is it doing market socialism authoritarian capitalism or something else
0: you know i'm not an expert on china they do have a lot of state-owned enterprises the level of state ownership in china is below the level of state ownership in norway Um, they cross paths i want to say 10 15 years ago Um, you know china going down and norway going up Um, so norway is for sure the most um, sort of socialist uh developed country in the world. China is not, I guess, a fully developed country. But even if you put China in the in the bucket, uh, they're not as uh, socialist as Norway in, in, in the conventional measures. But they do still have a lot of state ownership. And, you know, if you want to just look narrowly at the uh, composition of the economy, you'd have to say, uh, you know, a good deal of it is market socialist. You'd have to say that, um, that you know that's separate from questions mm-hmm. of human rights and yeah, the, you know sure. but if you if you want to look narrowly you'd say yeah and has it been a success i mean they're growing it's growing like crazy you know 10 15 percent year over year it's uh you know maybe it'll come to an end at some point but they've had a good ride so it does seem to provide uh, support for that general notion at least
1: someone asks can you guys riff on nietzsche i'm a fan but i also really enjoy making fun of him Oh, go ahead. Yeah, so What are your thoughts on Nietzsche? Uh, well, you,
0: you probably have more thoughts than I have.
1: Oh, I mean, I th- certainly think he's right about uh, there being objective truth in the world. Uh, seems r- seems accurate. Uh,
0: I do think we need a transvaluation of all values, maybe not all, uh, but at least half.
1: Wrong about Christianity. Horse cry, bitch.
0: Hmm. Uh.
1: That's rough. Seen a horse being beaten. Had a big cry. Yeah, not would've much of a Superman. Would have d- <laughs> would have done a tweet thread about it. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Mm.
1: Mm. Syphilis having bitch. Okay. okay. Uh, let's see. If America suddenly decided to become a monarchy, who would you pick as its first monarch?
0: Donald Trump. It's got to be Donald. No, no, why? He would be perfect. That's all he really wants to be. You know. Yeah. So. And he, I feel like embodies America. In a, in a very <laughs> He's
1: very way. representative of all of our issues.
0: So I think that would work good. And then you know we could have a, you know, a, a different president. But you know, in yeah. terms of oh, you're thinking
1: yeah. like a totally symbolic monarchy, but then we still have like a like oh
0: a yeah oh no, Are we talking about? They're talking.
1: I think they're talking about like an absolutist. C-
0: well, I have. Not, I mean, that's just ridiculous. I would never, uh, you know.
1: I would pick Matt, I think.
0: Oh, yeah. Myself, for sure. Yeah, I mean, King if Matt. I could choose myself, I, I know I know how to run this thing. Would you rename
1: um, yourself? Some kings do that. Popes do that.
0: Mm, no. I
1: you would know. just be King Matt Brunig. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We've tried to teach Jane to say our last name, and she says it Brunit. She'll get there. <coughs> <coughs> what are Bernie's weaknesses in terms of both policy and campaign? People used to say he was weak on foreign policy. I feel like he's doing better on that.
0: Yeah, he's got Matt dust. Yeah. Pass. <laughs> uh
1: let's see. A lot of a lot of bullshit about religion. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. <laughs>
1: What's the story behind Matt getting kicked off his college debate team?
0: Okay, so, you know, I was on the college, I was on the parliamentary debate team. It's kind of a, you know, it's not like the CX. I did CX a little bit, but, you know, I'm in college. I don't really want to spend 10, 20 hours a week preparing for debate. I mean, good Lord. I barely, you know, want to spend an hour doing that. Um... So, you know, parliamentary is more of an extemporaneous style of debating, extemporaneous. You -hmm. know, you get the resolution about 20, 30 minutes before the round, and then you got to construct a case Mm -hmm. like that, which is actually very well suited for for me and my, my skill sets, if you will. And... You know, the nature of debate, again, this is an academic exercise. This is a, you know, it's a we're competing. We're, you know, you don't have to make arguments you believe in. That's the whole point of the process. You're given a resolution. You're given a side to take in the resolution. That's the whole game.
1: Get to the point.
0: Okay. And so... A number of things happened, right? So, one was
1: you get. True crime podcast sounding shit here.
0: You get resolutions that were sometimes sort of vague. So, one would be um, terrorism is justified as a response to political oppression, right? And there's a number of ways you could go with this, right? So, one thing you could go is you could just kind of be very abstract about it, do values debate and that sort of thing. Another approach is you could fill in sort of details. Be like, in this case, terrorism was justified as a result of political oppression. And then you just kind of debate about that instance. Um, and that's, you know, an interesting approach. And I took that approach to this resolution, and I used 9-11 as a justified response to political oppression. I talked about, you know, U.S. foreign policy and so on and so forth. Um, this is just an argument I was familiar with, okay? And it's a debate competition. I was not chosen to get, you know...
1: And Matt argued 9-11 was justified.
0: For a debate competition, okay? (laughs) You know, oh, God, people just lose their mind out of this. I get in trouble. Oh, the coach says I can't do this, okay? And, okay, whatever. I get a similar resolution not too long later, and I run the same case. Um, And in this process, there was a secondary problem, which was... That my teammates, you know, most of them were, I don't know, not as good at the activity as I was at the activity. You know, so it goes. Um, And they would rely on me to help them with their cases, you know, because you could sit at the table and work together and so on. And so I would often just be like, here's a case, run it. You know, I've come up with it, go with it. They were like, I don't want to run this case. And I said, make your own case then. What am I, I don't, you don't have to run my cases. You know, take it or leave it. So, I think that was part of it as well. So, there's sort of some insubordination about running it again. Mm-hmm. I also I threw one of my trophies away, and another coach mm-hmm. found it, and they got mad at that. So, okay. it was a sort of combination of insubordination, uh, not not a team player, though I, I disagree with that um, because I m- almost, you know, really they were not team players because oh. they wouldn't run my case that I'd come up with okay. or come up with their own, apparently, um, and disrespect of the activity via uh, the trophy. I will say one very funny Consequence of this was I was not involved in extemporaneous speaking, right? You have speech and debate. and extemporaneous speaking, you're given, like, a subject uh, about the news, right? Uh, It would be like, uh, uh, talk about building the wall or whatever. And you'd have to kind of basically summarize the news and, you know, I don't know. It was weird. I didn't really like the event. Um, But they made us all prepare for the event because to prepare for the event you needed to clip articles from like all the newspapers, sort of all the big newspapers in the world. You needed to catalog them by topic so that when you got a subject matter, you could go into our files and write about it. You know, you got a subject matter about nuclear proliferation. And so you want to be able to, you know, see all the articles that have been written about that in the last, you know, three or four months or whatever, right? Because these are all newsy topics. Anyways, I had written a program called that I would, remember Extemp that uh, would download. It was basically a scraper that just scraped all the major newspapers. I kind of did it. I used RSS. I used some custom kind of like sc- scraping code. And it would just automatically pull down these articles. So what was taking the team collectively maybe 15 hours a week to pull this these clips. Now I had a program that I wrote over the course of a week. And this was one of those marathon sessions where I like didn't eat and I just was like out of my mind. Very normal. And I wrote a program that would do it. And you know, and it also allowed you to search because you couldn't get on the internet. That was part of this competition. You couldn't get on the internet, yeah. but you could use a computer. So I would download all the articles, store them in a local database on the computer. And then I would allow you to search them locally on the computer. Yeah. So you wouldn't have to... Act. So you could search it sort of like a Google search, even though you couldn't access Google. And so it was a sort of uh, subversion of the rules in many ways, I suppose. Um, yeah, you,
1: this is a recurring theme at this point.
0: But legal and permissible. And I wrote this, and it was very, very helpful to the team. Okay, They let me go. They, t- they pushed me off the team without fully considering that I have the program. Mm. What are you going to do without the program? You've designed your whole thing around this program. No one wants to go back to clipping articles because they've, they've experienced the beauty of automation, you know, of the algorithm, to take it all the way back. <laughs> and so what are you going to do? And the long story short is I, uh, I, sold, I sold them a subscription to the program. You sicko.
1: <laughs> 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 oh, I do remember that. Good old times. Who could have predicted? I didn't even
0: sell them the program. <laughs> I sold them a subscription. I mean, I was way ahead. I was <laughs> way ahead of the <laughs> who, curve there. Who
1: could have predicted that your life would be marked by firings and conflicts with uh, famous people uh, and subordination uh, just completely wily? In um, the long run, it
0: was a, it was a money winner because they didn't yeah. pay me to be on the team, but I did get paid to provide them a subscription to my extem software.
1: Someone asks, are there times when you wish you could unlearn certain things about the world? No. Yes, every day, all the time. Uh, Every crime I read about, especially atrocities happening to children, stay forever in my mind, pool like teardrops in a well. It's a constant source of misery and darkness. Anytime I see someone happy, especially a child, I think these terrible things happen to these other children. I remember their names and their faces.
0: I kind of live in the present and future. I don't really think too much about the past or thing, you know. I don't really think too much about it.
1: Someone asks if you were bitten by a monkey, what kind of drugs do they think do you think they'd make you take?
0: Uh, p- antibiotics. Yeah, um, anti-malarials um, maybe. Maybe some pain if you have pain issues. Yeah, maybe <laughs> some
1: pain. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Have you ever thought of adopting? I haven't. No. I have. I mean, I think it's a good thing to do, um, but I, I feel like I just uh, you know I don't know if it would be fair. You have your biological children, and you adopt. Is, does that work out well? I've heard mixed reports. I don't know. I also feel like the adoption market is often represented as oh, there' are just hundreds and thousands and millions of children who are looking for homes, but really it's like, well, there are foster kids who actually have some hope of going back to their family. and then there are kids who are like, outright orphans and they're actually fewer in number and I don't want to take someone from a family that can't have kids but I do think it's a, a good and altruistic thing to do.
0: Wait, so there are more people wanting to adopt than there are people to adopt?
1: Well, and, and people have certain criteria, right? They want babies and they want, you know, typically a kid that matches their race, and so, like, that can put some limitations. The, the adoption market, you would think the supply is overwhelming and that the demand is relatively small, but I actually hear that's not the case.
0: Oh, well, if there's more demand than supply, then yeah. Then what, what's the, uh, what am I doing yeah. getting, getting in that game? Yeah.
1: What strategies, if any, are the most effective in persuading well-meaning people who disagree with you
0: politically? Uh, You know, you just want to humiliate them. No. No. Oh.
1: I think, y- you know, you, you kind of, you try to connect with them on the things that you agree on.
0: Yeah, I mean, I don't mm-hmm. know. Here, here's what I've heard. I'm not, I mm-hmm. don't try to persuade people exactly. I just, you know, I'm just like, here are the good arguments. Take them or leave them. That's sort of my approach okay. to things. Um, But, you know, what I read, yeah. obviously, for the most part, you know, people <laughs> respond to social connections. Yeah. You know, if, yeah. if you're friends <laughs> with someone, yeah. you're more inclined to... Just to keep the friendship going good, you kind of start kind of start to see things like they see them or at least be open to seeing them that way. Like that's a thing you could do. Yeah. It's very intensive though, yeah. because you have to if you're talking about someone you don't know, you have yeah. to you know uh, do a lot of work there. The other thing I've heard is if you weaken the argument paradoxically, that makes people a little bit more open to it because if it's really strong and like you just annihilate them, then they, they're protective. Their, their, their protective senses kind of run uh, kind of activate and they, they like want to protect themselves against being completely annihilated. Uh, you know, uh, what do people call this? Like, um, identity, protective cognition or something like that. Um, but if you make it like soft and it's like, oh, yeah, you kind of make the argument not that good. Yeah, be
1: like, look, I see where you're coming from. One thing I think about is this. and Yeah, then, like, and
0: like that doesn't like, yeah. doesn't really not like. just like a buzzsaw. Yeah, that doesn't buzzsaw them. That allows them to still kind of hold the baseline, the, mm-hmm. the base sort of principle opinion mm-hmm. that motivates them. Then they're more open to it because they don't, it, it seems less threatening. Which, again, is kind of bizarre because you think, oh, the strongest argument is the best argument. But apparently weaker arguments are somewhat more persuasive. That's mm-hmm. what I read. That's what I read. I don't know this by experience.
1: Someone says, college kid became Christian many years ago, still struggling how to tell atheist disapproving mom, help please. How would you do that? Uh, you know, it's in an email. <laughs>
0: Then you don't have to, you know...
1: Subject line, I'm Christian now.
0: Yeah, then, you know, it's asynchronous. Yeah, um, don't just, pick up the phone. you just kind to hit the send. Yeah,
1: I would, you know, I, you know, just say, look, I mean, I understand where you're coming from and I've thought a lot about it, but ultimately this is just something I feel in my heart and I, I feel guided toward and it's where I am now and I'm happy and fulfilled. And I, I would say, you know, any mother would have a hard time.
0: Yeah, I mean, you need to gauge out your mom, obviously. <laughs> Presumably if she's the kind of mom who like... Want you to feel good and have a good relationship, yeah. she's going to sort of she's gonna be roll like, oh, with it. Um, try to
1: consider where you're coming from. And
0: yeah, just probably, you know, won't care that much as long as everything else is unchanged.
1: Are you a Dallas Stars fan?
0: I don't do hockey, but, I mean, I guess and I was, sort of. They did win the Stanley Cup when I was there, and I, I feel as if I may have watched some playoff games. Hockey is impossible to watch because you can't see the puck. It's a big problem. No one solved this problem, so...
1: You guys into MREs? Matt seems like an MRE guy.
0: I've thought about it. I have definitely have thought about it. Um, <laughs>
1: MREs are meals ready to eat, like mm, little canned army
0: meals. I've thought about it. They're not as economical as you might think, um, you know, but I definitely have thought about it. Um, also, you know, we don't have a whole lot of space, so the idea of like buying a whole year of food or something in advance, which is kind of interesting to me, um is not really possible here cuz i don't have a, a somewhere to store it if i was living in a different place that had like a big garage or something and i could buy like a whole year of mres and not have to think about food for a year you know i might might try that
1: sounds rough what does matt do for fun
0: uh well i, I wouldn't say fun i you know i like to go on walks that's basically what i do to relax uh, we live uh, by Rock Creek Park here in D.C., national park. I like to go hike through there, uh, you know, on the trails and whatnot. Um, but that's yeah, that's basically it.
1: Why so much Star Wars and not Star Trek? The true socialist vision of a scarcity-free socialist future.
0: I I don't know either of them. They're they're the same to me. Okay,
1: uh, so that's one answer. And I think for me, the answer is. If you look at a lot of the entertainment that I like, I like Batman, I like Star Wars, you know, the franchises, the big operatic stuff. I, I don't tend towards things that represent a utopian socialist future, um, and I think it's because my politics are downstream of my theology, and the theology is actually what I'm hyper focused on, and then, you know the politics flow out of that, but they're downstream, they're not primary, they're secondary. What's primary Mm -hmm. is the theology. And so I am very interested in stories about sort of the, you know, private conflicts between good and evil, the dark heart of man, temptation and redemption. uh, The scenario in which, you know, you realize that this thing, which you considered all powerful and all evil is neither all powerful nor all evil in part by necessity of the fact that you have more in common with it than you thought you did these kind of episodes of self-discovery which can be disheartening but also redemptive kind of dark night of the soul stuff i am into that shit so i think that's why i think that's what's going on there a bunch of elizabeth warren questions uh what are the logistics this time around with baby number two Um, i think the grandparents are going to take the baby number one
0: Oh, in terms of giving birth, I assume. Yeah, and, and then are I'm they talking about leave and all the rest yeah, of it? We I mean, haven't even figured that out yet. Well, also, I mean, we'll take leave simultaneously. I think. I don't think. I don't think Liz likes to take leave by herself. I feel like you it's know, it's hard, right? It's so, tough. probably makes mo- more sense to take it simultaneously. And once the kid is born, you know, we'll probably do the nanny share situation again. Childcare is so difficult to get here in D.C., center-based care. You have to get on wait lists and, you know, it's just Great so much... very dicey. It's tough. It's just so much easier to find another family in the area and split... Split cost, Split a nanny. It's still um, very expensive. It's, yeah, I mean, it is uh, as expensive as a center, um, though more convenient, um, uh, assuming you can get it done in your house, though then you have to keep your house clean. Oh, God. <laughs> um. But Uh, yeah, so that's probably, and and you kind of have to wait for that one. I mean, I do
1: do think about day of logistics. Last time they induced labor, but with second babies, you often don't go as long. So we are looking at a possibility where I could just go
0: into labor. Mm -hmm. In that case. Well, presumably I could just take Jane into the room.
1: No, I mean what for like eighteen hours? I mean, well,
0: you take her in there until the parents arrive, then you you know boot her off and yeah, they, they come yeah, to, I to our apartment and they could sleep here or whatever. Yeah, you know.
1: I guess that's a, so you know if I just go into labor, we just bring Jane with us to the hospital, of course, and then just you know I push the baby out of my body, mm-hmm. and then at some point in that in that area, my parents will come pick up
0: Jane, take her out for ice cream or whatever.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay, that sounds good.
0: I mean, and also if you're waiting. You know, it's a long process mm-hmm. or whatever. Like, I could go out and entertain. You know, I mean.
1: Yeah, I don't. I don't need you to like be there the
0: whole time. Yeah, so I, I don't. I don't think that would be too difficult.
1: You didn't even cut Jane's umbilical cord. Uh,
0: I don't remember doing it now.
1: So I, I think, uh, you know, it's not like you even need to be there.
0: That's true. You could just go and then come back with the kid. That's true. That's yeah. how they do it, and call the midwives. Howdy, I'm
1: home. A Roomba, but for infant care.
0: Mm, not going to work.
1: I, don't, yeah, I think it'd be tough. I support it in principle.
0: I mean, you have sort of devices that are, you know, entertain infants. The swings with <laughs> the jangly things. I mean, these might as well be uh, yeah. Roombas for infants, but <laughs> they don't keep them entertained <laughs> that long. You might be able no, to get 10, 15 yeah. minutes with them if you're lucky. Um,
1: Taxonomy on what horny posting is okay.
0: I just wouldn't do it at all.
1: I think, you know, it's best not to do it at all, but all of us end and fall short of the glory of God. And if you're going to horny post, I think the best horny posting is is without an object. Ambient. You know, I guess it's like better than it's better to be like Thurston today than to tweet at AOC, like show me the feet, sweetie. Yeah, I suppose that's true.
0: You know, there's really no way to win, but I guess. Yeah.
1: Uh Liz, were you a pretty serious Christian before you became a Catholic? Yes. Matt, do you prefer market socialism to central planning because it's more realistic to implement or do you think central planning doesn't work?
0: Well, so you know we get into these taxonomical questions. Um the thing is, I think I think central planning versus market socialism, I th- I feel like with a lot of these things where we're creating these binaries that don't necessarily exist in reality, right? You got some, so it's important to understand what, what, what are we talking about when we say central planning versus socialism? I think the way you wanna break this down is when you're trying to figure out how to allocate resources, in particular how to allocate productive resources, labor and capital, not necessarily the consumer products, that's a slightly different thing, But when we're talking about, we got all these people that need to work, we got all this material that we want to use, you know, how are we going to combine them and where are we going to put them? And are we going to build a building over here? Are we going to build a building over there, et cetera, et cetera? These sort of questions. And the central question is to what extent is it useful or necessary to allow prices and money to send? information to create information that you then use to decide oh let's put this building here and to what extent can you do that with other kinds of information so it's really a question of what informational inputs do you need to reasonably efficiently allocate labor and capital factors to produce useful things what kind of information do you need and I would say sometimes it seems like you need something like price information. You don't have to call it prices and money if you want. You could also call it uh, weighted preference devices, right? Because that's what prices, uh, if they're going well, can do for you. Um, other times you don't, right? So I'll give two examples here. Um, let's think about public schools. Um, Public schools are, some people say they're decommodified. I have a little bit of a problem with that, but we'll leave that aside. We have, to, we have a system in the U.S. where everyone is entitled to go to public school, basically. And 90% of people do go to public school. But, you know, our population grows and our population changes and our population migrates from various parts of the country. You know, there used to be a lot of people in Detroit. Now there's less. There used to be not that many people in Texas. Now there's a ton of people in Texas. And so how do you know where to build schools and when to build schools and how many schools to build. Note that with public schools, there is no price. No one is buying a public school seat. There is money. The state allocates money to teachers and all that kind of stuff, but there's not like a free-floating price where like you pay for uh, enrollment in a particular school, right? And you don't need those prices to do the planning, that information, that price information is not necessary because you can just use population information. You can just count the number of kids in the area or count the number of adults of a certain kind of age who we know are probably going to have kids, a certain percentage of them. You can use basically population information to determine how many schools to build, right? You don't need the price information there. You don't need a market there you have other kinds of information that allow you to plan, right? So that's a very classic example. That is, you know, the schools are, in a very real sense, centrally planned. The decision of how many to build, how many teachers to hire, that is done in a central planning type way that uses population information as the planning input, not price information, right? Right. On the flip side, and we've done, we've talked about this before on a podcast. Um, when it comes, especially to consumer markets, it gets a little bit trickier. Um, we talked about this. Uh, Uh, This charity in the U.S. called Feeding America is the biggest food charity in the country. It has all these affiliate food banks across the country. It's basically a big central clearinghouse for hundreds, maybe thousands of food banks across the country. It gets these huge donations in from big corporations, you know, like Jif will send them 40 pallets of peanut butter or whatever. And it's got to figure out who among its network gets all of this stuff. Right. So it has to make an allocation decision. And the way it has grown to do that over time, which appears to be very effective, is it gives all of its uh, affiliate food banks a certain number of points that are based on the number of people they serve. So if you have a, a food bank that serves 300 people a day, you get 300 points, something like that. I don't know if it's exactly like that, right? And then you use the points to buy... The stuff There's an auction each morning, a, a sealed bid auction where they put up all the stuff they've gotten you know that day or that they're putting up that day. and you can go through see what's on the menu and and, and use your points to try to buy it and whoever puts in the, hi- the highest uh, bid gets it and they have to uh, give up that number of points. And so you see they're using uh, basically uh, a kind of uh, population weighted, way of distributing what is effectively currency and then there is a, uh, then by making people use the currency to bid, they create a weighted preference sort of indicator and that is the information that they then use to distribute goods and services. That to me seems very sensible and I don't know otherwise how you would know who wants the peanut butter the most and who needs the peanut butter the most. I don't know how you would do that uh, in a better way than that. So... You know, long story short, sometimes you can plan without price information. Sometimes it's hard to plan without price information. Just be pragmatic about it. It's not the be-all, end-all. What socialism is about fundamentally is collective ownership of the means of production, not the use of this or that informational source to do the planning. That's that's not fundamentally what's about. Um, so just just don't fret too much about that question. It's, it's I think it's uh, too. Uh, people dwell on it too much.
1: Should we nationalize all sports teams?
0: I, I think it makes a definite sense for municipalities to, you know, attempt to buy uh, sports franchises. I know this is sort of some legal questions on that, but why not eminent domain your local sports franchise? Why not?
1: If you punch yourself and it hurts... Does that make you strong or weak?
0: Oh, that's <laughs> interesting. Both, I guess. <laughs> it depends on how hard you punched, I guess.
1: <sighs> Do you plan on voting this time, or are you still too cool for school? Too cool for you, bitch. No, I, I just think it's strategically ineffective to go around loudly proclaiming, I'll vote for whoever the nominee is.
0: Oh, well, they didn't ask that. They just mean, are you going to vote? You got to go register gonna and stuff. not going to say shit. Not saying
1: Liz anything. Liz is. Not saying anything about that. You want my vote? Earn it. Give Liz me a candidate I'll vote for.
0: Liz isn't like administrative tedium. And I think that is the biggest uh, factor behind her non voting, frankly. <laughs> <laughs> well, she's like, I'd have to go fill out a thing, and it, uh, that's basically it.
1: <laughs> but I'll, I mean, it's not that. It's, like, I, I'll do administrative tedium to give birth in a hospital. It's like, I'll have to go do this thing and it won't even matter because there's a
0: really high threshold of, of they're going to
1: give me a candidate that I don't really want. Uh, you know,
0: I can't even get her to bill, to bill for money. So
1: yeah, that's bullshit. It takes time. <laughs> uh, this one's for you, Matt. God is real.
0: Okay. Yeah. I mean, I saw the movie.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Were you convinced by God's not dead? hmm. Okay. All right. There we go. What are your ultimate career goals? What is your dream job?
0: I'm good, just doing what I'm doing right now until I retire. I want to write for the New Yorker. Uh, let's I see. I bet I could get a piece in the New Yorker. Yeah, I bet you could. I could. Just pitch. By the way, I got one come out in New York Times tomorrow. Check it out.
1: Every time one comes out in the New York Times, Matt tells me he got one in the number one paper. Check in the it United out, States. number
0: one paper. One in the New York Times is worth basically ten Washington Post. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: yeah, that's a good question. How do I deal with fertility grief? I'm not religious, but after multiple miscarriages, I feel my spirit is damaged and I don't know
0: what to do. That's a you question, I think.
1: This is really tough. I feel really bad for you. I feel like, you know, even if you're not religious, you can explain what's going on in terms of genes or evolution, but it's also just a matter of, you know, having these expectations and these desires and they get crushed and you feel like you're hurting people around you, but um, that's, that's not your fault. It's not a punishment for you. You're not a bad person um you know just hang in there and and i'll pray for you uh do you get analytics on your wapo content (laughs) yes it's not good
0: (laughs) i have analytics on ppp too but i don't ever check them Mm. not really what i'm in for you know i'm not trying to maximize the clicks because i don't get money on a per click basis it's more about reaching the influencers reaching influential people that's really the game so this probably
1: deserves its own episode, but someone says, what are your thoughts on modern monetary theory? Matt, you can only give like a few words.
0: Well, I did an episode that yeah. talked about this a little bit. One of my solo apps. If you want to click the solo Matt button on the yeah. Patreon, you can see it'll probably be the first one. Yeah. Um, but yeah, long story short... Um, you know we have this concept in monetary sort of our fiscal fiscal and monetary policy known as seniorage. Seniorage is something that a state is able to do because it can print money and then spend the money and the purchasing power it's able to get for itself by doing this is called seniorage.
1: Remember when you looked up seniorage how to how to pronounce it and you played it two hundred times just to piss me off.
0: Seniorage. 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 Yeah, the seniorage soundboard. I hate you. Yeah. Yes, I'd only ever read it. And yeah, that's the concept, right? So um, basically, they take this notion of seniorage and they go, and like normal people are like, hey, um, the way government spending works, not normal people, but people who have some sort of economic sort of background, is they go, oh, you either you, you get money from taxes, you get money from borrowing, right? You sell bonds, you get money in. Or you get money from seniorage. Or it's a combination of the three, and then you use that money, and that's how you spend. You do government spending. What they do is they go. Uh, actually, it's all seniorage. All spending is seniorage. You must understand. Um, taxes don't fund spending. They're a kind of anti-seniorage. Like you spend the money in, and then the taxes pull it pull it back out, and the bonds is the same thing. And uh, you're like, okay, you could view it that way if you want. I mean, that's, I don't know, that's fine. Um, But it doesn't really change anything. Like, you know, if you you print too much money and spend it in the economy, you're going to have inflation. And then they go, well, yeah, but to cut inflation, you can tax. And you're like, okay, well, then you're just really, you're just using taxes to fund spending. You can say, no, I'm actually using senior age and the taxes just cut the inflation of the senior age, but it's all the same thing ultimately. It's all you know. You don't, you, mm-hmm. you haven't found a fucking trick out of the box of uh, you know if 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 you want to if the government's going to get more purchasing power uh, it's got to have to take purchasing power from somewhere else unless of course uh, it's uh, stimulating the economy. Um, Favorite Gordon
1: so. Keith character?
0: Oh my god! Wow, well, I wish I'd gotten this question in advance because I feel like I need to really. <laughs> I need to go through the catalog. They're all um, really
1: good. Uh, was the or Gordo?
0: No, that was Corby. Oh. I don't know. If Corby does yuck, yuck, yuck stuff anymore. I think he, you know, after uh, Grego, uh, Grego lost his, yeah, lost his job due to opioids. They <laughs> put in Corby, and then now Corby, Corby, you know, talks about the you know this. this the, who should be the second baseman of the Rangers and you're just like oh my god what are we doing here like Matt, you go home all. and you're like <laughs> what is why is Corby talking about the stars back uh, you know the the stars best forward or something like he's supposed to be doing these sort of shtick things but
1: Matt's only um, here for the yucks
0: yeah I mean you know the only thing that comes to mind when I think about classic Gordo, Gordo bits that I've come back to uh, is is his big techs <laughs> <laughs> That's a real radioactive bit. The thing uh. is w- with Gordo is he's too good for Dallas. Um <laughs> he's not too good but the the weird thing like gordo does not seem that interested in sports that he's a big uh, fixture on a sports radio station he's in dallas which you wouldn't normally like uh associate with sort of like avant-garde comedy but like a really a lot he does a lo- he really pushes really the does. envelope i feel like if he had you know gone the hollywood route you know he could have been a galvanakis or something like that now maybe he didn't want to be and he's you know cool just chilling out um in taxes, but he did a big tax one. I remember it, oh, it always sticks in my mind where he, uh, he talks about the, uh, the Goya painting where, uh, uh, what, what is it? The someone's eating the Saturn sun. eating his son, Saturn yeah. eating his son. And he, yeah. he says he as big tax. Yeah. That big tax is, uh, you know, he is snatching up, uh, uh, you know, fairgoers, big tax for those not familiar. <laughs> I mean, 90% of our listeners have no idea what I'm talking about. Big Tex is this big uh, uh, animatronic statue at the Texas State Fair in Dallas. Um, and uh, he was saying that Big Tech was snatching up uh, fairgoers and just uh, snapping off their heads like uh, Saturn uh, eating his son, like the Goya painting, <laughs> Saturn eating his son. Really and I sick. just was like, this is bizarre. I mean, you got to think about this. Like t- for the most part, the people who are <laughs> listening to the station are are have got to be... Maga chuds who like sports, <laughs> and you have this man saying that the animatronic guy, the at, animatronic t- cowboy, he is embodying him through his uh, character in the show, and he is uh, <laughs> saying that he is snapping off the heads of fairgoers like uh, the Goya's painting, <laughs> where Saturn uh, devouring, uh, uh, devouring his son. And you're just like, what on earth? This is the strangest thing happening. Howdy, in- I, I, you just couldn't explain this to someone uh, in 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 the major media markets that like no this is a real thing um, this is the 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 the, the charge they just eat it up yeah so
1: it's amazing second to last question any tips for opening up your heart after a few decades of closing it off to avoid further betrayal now that the downside of isolation is setting in you know get on the apps I'm gonna hit you with this. Tender. All uh, is clouded by desire, as a fire by smoke, as a mirror by dust. Through these, it blinds the soul. So you just
0: think about that a little bit from the Bagwad Gita. Clubs, social groups, <laughs> apps. Here's you know, you got to get into <laughs> a. You got to get into a social gathering. You got to get it. maybe. Are you interested in something? Are you interested in in, in bowling? Are you interested You know. Find a thing that people do that there's a sort of existing civil infrastructure for, and and get into it, and, and you know try to make some friends. I think that's that's uh, would be my strategy. If you're a religious, you know you can pick a church, or, or or if not, you can do hobbies or, or whatever. That that seems like the best the best go of it.
1: And uh, last question: You ever worry about what if my kid goes fash?
0: No, I've never worried about that. A little bit. I mean. You know, not too many women I mean we that's have two, true two that's girls, true. We so have two
1: girls so far. I mean, yeah, what are they going to do? you know they they'd be you know the one female yeah,
0: they could be the 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 Nazi chick, the gun girl. <laughs> 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 you should uh, you should uh, set
1: Jane up for a gun girl graft. You know she could she could really make a lot of money on that.
0: I don't know. I feel like gun girl is really
1: fading out. Yeah, I but there are reasons for that. I don't want to get into it, but you can tell what the reasons were.
0: Mm, that's true. You know,
1: sometimes the face just isn't there.
0: You know, if you're gonna play the game, it's rough.
1: It is. Uh, it's an unforgiving game. You gotta play it. It's that an unforgiving way. game. Um, the the locked, stacked, and loaded calendars and the
0: Mm-hmm. you
1: know the m- chick on a motorcycle poster w- involving guns you just you got to have a certain look for that and it's dana
0: loesch remember she was gun girl <laughs> she was
1: gun girl she's now still she kind
0: of pulling it off yeah now she's like gun mom you know she got old yeah but she's like didn't she other mom
1: yeah we heard she like pitched a sitcom about her being like a conservative gun mom
0: oh that's sick
1: married to like a lib
0: Sicko shit. I'm, <laughs> w- <laughs> yeah. I'm surprised she couldn't get one of those. Sicko shit. I'm surprised she couldn't get one of those right wing people to green light that. I mean, you know, it would have been like horribly produced like all of their m- like weird right wing movies are. Get the are. boom mic in the, uh, in the frame. Yeah. Like, it's <laughs> like a Dinesh D'Souza yeah. thing. Um,
1: I would watch the hell out of it, I have to admit.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, they haven't really done reality shows like that. Um, so that, that would have been a novel. It's just. Novel it, and I don't
1: throw any shade on women who are not, uh, you know. I I would not uh, have a career in modeling myself. You know, sometimes you just got a little bit of a busted face and that's life. But, you know, it's very tough in the racket where you're going for like hot young woman who also does political conservatism. I mean, that's the
0: conservative. It's a tough racket. That's the conservative paradox is that, yeah, to be a viral conservative woman figure, you have to be a hottie. Yeah. Which is, you know is necessarily time-limited. you <laughs> out <laughs> of it. Uh, yeah, it's got to be brutal, you would it's think. Rough. All sorts of creepy. I mean, I just can't even imagine having to go down that route. Um,
1: it's tough. But we enjoyed taking your questions. We hope this was an informative and illuminating podcast.
0: Yeah, we can do some more of this. Uh, I do know. have
1: a ton of other questions that I didn't get to that don't involve sex. Uh, there was one guy who wanted to know why you think Rawls is a socialist. But yeah,
0: that's, you know, we're already at 104. Yeah, so we can get into that at some other read time. Read the books. Read the books.
1: All right. We'll see you again soon, folks. Bye. Bye.